Hey everybody, it's Chris. Welcome or welcome back to the Beyond Church podcast. Hey, at the end of this conversation, would you head to our socials at Beyond Church AU, either on Instagram or Facebook and give us a follow. That's the easiest way to share this content with a friend who might find it helpful. And while you're at it, you can click the link in our description to sign up to our email newsletter. That's the easiest way to stay up to date on everything that's going on around here at Beyond. But in the meantime, I hope this following conversation inspires you to take your next step on your faith journey. Enjoy. For this Are You Okay conversation, and if we haven't had an opportunity to meet yet, uh, my name's Chris, and I'm just part of the team here at Beyond. And if you are coming in and you have, like, maybe no idea what Are You Okay Day is, uh, Are You Okay Day kind of uh, started, actually, in, in a really tragic way, uh, where one of the, 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 actually the son of the person who started the organization's father uh, took his own life. And so he, he wanted to promote this idea of, hey, let's, let's start a conversation around mental health and begin asking people this question, Are You Okay Day? And the story of it, um, you can um, just Google it and find out the story, because the story is actually uh, a pretty incredible story. But now we kind of have this national campaign in Australia where we um, once a year kind of come together and we just ask this question, hey, are you okay? And the reason is, um, you, you may or may not be aware, um, depending on, on, on this, is that um, every single day, eight Australians take their lives, which, which is eight Australians too many. And for every, for every person that attempts suicide, uh, sorry, sorry, for every person who does take their life, there's around 30 attempts at suicide. And uh, statistically, about 89% of Australians uh, which is which is nine in ten Australians will know someone or will be affected by uh, some uh, at some point in their life suicide or someone who um, who has attempted or taken their life through suicide and so we just really think that as the local church as, as Riley said as as a local church who believes that life is better connected we should be having this conversation that's really the whole purpose of are you okay day is to begin to have meaningful conversations uh, that allow people uh, allow us to ask that question and so this morning what we wanted to do is we wanted to begin to have uh, what we hope you'll continue not only uh, after our, our time together this morning but also throughout the week and also throughout the year uh, with your friends we wanted to begin to have a meaningful conversation we wanted to um, to have that with Richard so I'd love you to invite Richard up let's make some noise <clears throat> Now, Richard, um, Richard actually is a counsellor, and I'm, I'm always just curious as to anyone who's, who's in this space, in the counselling space, how did, you get into, how did you get into this space? So, as I jokingly said to you earlier, I was doing your gig. I was uh, leading a, a faith community, a church, and, uh, and I burned out in 2009, hit the wall, and uh, didn't know what was going on, and uh, what I understand my own journey, and how did I end up there, and... They, they said doing a master's in counselling is like really expensive therapy with a hex debt. And it, it was exactly that. And I came out with a better understanding of myself and, and mental health that I didn't know. And you would think someone in my profession would have understood, but too many people don't know how to look after themselves or don't know what's somewhere in their past, but buried deep in, under the ground like an artesian bore that's just waiting to hit the surface. Yeah, and I, I guess that's one of the interesting things for people who are in, I, and I guess maybe teachers are in this uh, category as well, that people who uh, people look up to and people who go to for advice, often like if you were to sit down and you were to kind of look at our uh, what we studied at university now, undergraduate in theology, there's, there's, if there is a subject in counselling, it's like one little intro to counselling, but very often there's like no no counselling. And so what, what did you learn, like so after you, after you burnt out, maybe we'll, we'll go back and kind of explore, what were the things that led 
to that point? What were some of the, the behaviours or the patterns that, that moved to that point? Interestingly, I, I couldn't see it coming. My wife could see it coming. I worked harder and harder and longer and longer and had more and more success. In fact, everything in my life was going well. Uh, marriage, family, career, finances, health, everything was coming up roses. Uh, and yet, uh, that was uh, a recognition. You can't have summer forever. And, uh, you know, it's like, I, I don't want to experience anything di disappointing or, or difficult. And so I just went harder. And the harder I went, the more exhausted I got. The more exhausted I got, of course, I'm going to pay that debt. It's like taking on interest. If you're not running in a way that's sustainable, you're going to pay the price for it. And so uh, my wife saw it coming. I, I thought she's just a party pooper. I thought, oh, for goodness sake, I'm having fun here. Don't, don't, don't slow me down. And she goes, you're going too hard. I'm just not like everyone else, you know. That's you, right. Yeah. You know, those losers that can't, you know, keep up with me, that's their problem. I'm, I'm just going harder. And I would be getting, running on four, five, six, oh my goodness. How many people are come to me who ha are getting, you know, I get six hours sleep a night, but it's enough. It's not enough. And, and I was one of those people who, you know, wore it as a trophy. I, I'm, I'm tougher, stronger. I can do it. And, and so what was, because um, you kind of touched on that idea that, it was almost like I just wanted this endless summer. And was that more like I, I just wanted the feeling of, of always feeling like I'm, I'm being successful? Because if, if there was something, not, not necessarily even failure, whatever, whatever that looks like, but it, I'm just not as successful as I would like to be that would be deemed as a failure. Is that what kind of kept pushing you through that? So we live in an aspirational culture. You know, do you have the BMW yet? Uh, have you got the house? Uh, ha have you got the, 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 the beautiful partner? Have you got the wonderful kids? Have you got whatever it is you need to have? Advertising th junk throws junk values at us all the time. And so, because it's aspirational, it's kind of like that graph that's always upwards and to the right. It's just got to get better. Come on. Come on. And, and you know, if you follow a, a sporting team, it's got to win. And always got to win. You, you never want to experience disappointment because disappointment suggests... Even, even to any sense of uh, it not being upwards and to the right is failure. We would, failure sounds like a terrible word. Why is failure a bad word? Well, who, said, who told us that, that failure has nothing to teach us? In fact, failure is our biggest teacher because it's the only time we stop and take stock and go, okay, what's going on there? What do I need to look at? Yeah, and so what happened during that process of, um, of burnout for you? Like, how did you reshape or reframe this, this negative word that we, we use as failure today? Yeah, uh, I, I started to understand that failure was human, not uh, something subhuman. Okay. Uh, that, 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 that probably is the, the bottom of all of it, is, is of course I'm going to fail. I'm going to die, for goodness sake, one day. Uh, obviously not yet. But parts of me had to let go, had to trust, had to trust that there was uh, safety uh, in, in my story in, in the sense that it's okay. It's okay to find it really hard. It's okay to cry. It's okay to feel weak. It's okay. Men, especially, and I'm speaking to men here, build a box and inside that box is, I am strong. Trust me, I've asked so many men, what goes inside your box? What is the most essential quality of being a man? Strong which means I'm in control, which means I've got it all handled. I've got it all squared away. To accept that, no, my box is too confining. I can fail. I can feel like I've not, uh, I'm not handling. I can cry. I can feel down. And that's all okay. That's normal and human. Yeah. So normalizing that idea that, that life is not always up and to the right. And, and I'm just, I'm imagining for, 
for people here, they, maybe they're thinking, they're like, okay, well, if life is not all up and to the right, and maybe I want to get okay with, with this idea of normalising failure, which is, which is not a normal thing in our society, what, what, would, be, what would be the first step? To, or, or what would be maybe a, a, a couple of first steps along that journey? And, and whatever it might be, maybe it's um, people here are like, oh, I feel like I'm failing as a parent, or I feel like I'm failing as a husband or a wife, or I feel like I'm, I'm, not fa- like I'm failing at work, whatever that might be. Something Riley said earlier is that we believe, actually it's not just we believe, we now know, scientifically we know, connection is what makes us healthy. Connection is what makes us healthy. So what does failure tell me to do? Uh, oh man, Chris, I, I, I'm not like you. I, I, I'm not going to let you know about my insecurities, fears and failures because you're doing so much better than me. So I'm going to hide it. And if I hide it, then it becomes an echo chamber inside me where the only reference point to my own experience or reality is myself or my sense of not being enough. And therefore, I isolate myself further. I become disconnected. The more disconnected I become, the more likely I am to increase the volume in that echo chamber. Yeah. If only, and so comparison and competition, and I don't even engage, I don't even challenge the notion that I'm not as much, I'm not enough, I'm not as good as that guy or that girl, I'm not doing as much as they are. I don't challenge it because the echo chamber tells me it's true and because I don't test it, I negatively reinforce it. And so I get stuck inside it. So disconnection becomes the most telling thing. Why do we do Are You Okay Day? Is because we become disconnected from others in our pain. And our pain tells us we're not enough. And to be not enough is bad. And if anyone knew I was struggling, oh my goodness, I'd be judged. I'd be shamed. I'd be humiliated. I'd be, I would, oh my, oh, I'm glad I'm not you. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so let's, let's say someone, let's say we get to that point. Well, maybe not, we're not even at that point yet, but let's say, because we've got a lot of um, families in the room, and that, which families are, are working and, and raising children, and they've got to get everyone, all the kids to sport and then navigate relationships. H- how do you, how do you um, navigate the busyness of, hey, I'm not doing well, but that isolation has kind of kept me and I'm away, and now there's that excuse of like, well, I've got this work thing and I've got to look after the kids and I've, you know, I've got to look after my husband or I've got to look after my wife or I've got to do that. So now there's all these excuses not to connect. Pages turn and tear from the edges, never from the centre. And so it's at the edges of our lives when maybe our partner's gone to bed and we're facing all these bills and we've had a really hard day and tomorrow's going to be just the same all over again. Or we wake up first thing in the morning and before we're out of bed, our mind is starting to dread the day or going, oh my goodness, goodness, how am I going to get through this day? So they're the edges. The moments where we are alone with our thoughts, the moments where everyone else is getting on with life, <laughs> or FOMO, uh, fear of missing out. I, 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 everyone else had fun maybe on the weekend and it's Tuesday night and I'm looking at photos of them having fun on, on Sunday afternoon and I wasn't invited and I wasn't having, I'm not having fun right now and I forget they're not, probably not having fun right now because they're posting on yes. social media yep. when they were having fun but because I'm not... I'm assuming that I'm the one left out. And so it's around the edges that things tear and turn and curl. Sure. And that, that's probably the first litmus test. How are you when you're alone with your thoughts? How are you when you're tired? How are, now, it's normal to be gentle and kind to yourself, but if you've got an echo chamber, the chances are when you are alone with yourself, it's not kind and gentle. It's, oh, man, my life sucks. I'm such a loser. I'm doing everything wrong. I deserve what I'm getting. 
and so on and so on. In other words, the self-talk is critical and negative. It reinforces, rather than encouraging, hey, it's okay, you're tired, you need a good night's sleep, you've done good today, yeah. you did your best, and that's enough, that's all you had to give. And, and one, of the, one of the reasons that, that we, we wanted to invite you to this conversation is, um, is that I, I, I really like your story, and I think your story will resonate with a lot of people, because I think even we, we looked at that trailer at the start, it was like, hey, you know, four in ten Australians feel like asking that question, are you okay, that's, that's for an expert to ask, because I, I maybe don't have my life together, and sometimes it can feel like hey, experts always have their life together, experts always know the answer to the question, because, you know, like when, when we get up to have a conversation, it's not like we prepared notes or anything like that, like no one did any research when they got up to do it, it was just in the spur of the moment because they're experts, right? Yes. Um, yeah, exactly. So for, for you, and maybe this would be helpful for everyone else, when, when you started to realise that you weren't okay, what were some of the things around the edges of your life that started to tear a little bit? So the first step of grief is denial. And so my first step was to go harder. Uh, yeah. So I become almost triumphalistic about my life. I'm, you know, blah, blah, blah. I just get louder. I get more certain. I get more uh, assertive. I, get, I go faster. So that was, that was the first sign. Uh, the next sign is uh, a sense of the future doesn't look better than the past. In fact, it looks a lot worse than the past. So a sense of... Uh, yeah, hopelessness, uh, and therefore a powerlessness. And now I realise I'm actually stuck in a story that I have no way out of. And uh, then, of course, I, I would start uh, not enjoying life. I, not, yeah, it was kind of like it wasn't. De it wasn't depression. If yep. I talk about that, is not sadness. Oh gosh, I wish it was. It's not feeling. Depression is. Oh yeah, why bother? Whatever. It, it's almost a, an apathy and an, and an indifference towards anything. Uh, it, it's like everything tastes like ash. You, you eat a nice meal, but you can't taste it. You see a beautiful sunset, but you can't experience it. You feel almost as if everything's gone dead on the inside, and you can't any longer experience it. So that's, that's my experience of depression. Uh, but often, anxiety can lead to depression, and anxiety is this sense of constant apprehension of feeling overwhelmed by whatever's in front of us. Oh my goodness, this is going to be tough. Oh my, how am I going to handle this? And thinking, and thinking as, as people come to me, as I would have once said, I'm just an anxious person. There aren't any anxious people on the planet. Okay, I know yeah. that, that probably sounds really weird yeah, to say yeah, that. Yeah. There aren't any anxious people on the planet. There are people who experience anxiety so frequently they think it's something to do with who they are. Mm. It's not something to do with who you are. It's messages you learn. Here's a message that we either learn growing up in our families is life is a wonderful adventure to go on. And you have it to go on this adventure. It's going to be fantastic. Or life is a trial and you just got to endure it. It's kind of like hang on tight. You'll get through it somehow. It won't be easy. It'll be hard. You won't really enjoy it most of the time. And we get yeah. one of those two messages from primary caregivers. Okay. And so... <laughs> As I discovered, my family of origin shaped and informed how I experienced, and I had a loving family, that my mum and dad stayed together, they loved me, they never split up, um, but I still got that underlying message, life is hard, and then you die. And that, I, I like, I love the point that you made about that there are no anxious people in, in the world, because... Uh, at least in my role, and, and I'm sure maybe in your role too, is that I'll, I'll often, when, I'm, when I'm having conversations with people, there'll be this, I have anxiety, or I have this, and it's, and it's 
who, who said that or well, I said that. So, so for someone who maybe is here and they're, they're kind of saying, well, well, I feel this way and that they've chosen to uh, or they're identifying as the emotion, what would be some practical ways to begin to, to distance themselves as like that emotion is not your identity? Yeah, what a beautiful question. Um, if you can imagine you're sitting in a cinema and up on the screen is your life. And you're sitting in maybe row one or two or three, A, B or C, watching the movie of your life. You can even do a step back from that. You, you, the, the mind is incredible. The mind is not the, the, the cells and, and all the wiring and electricity and chemicals rolling around there. The mind is actually more than the sum of its parts. And this is how we know it, because we have an observing self. You can even be behind the person watching you on the screen, watching the person watching the screen. In other yeah. words, you can start to notice your body, and that's the first yeah. place it okay. shows up. Depression and anxiety and stress show up in the body. This thing. And, and, and one of the first tests is how we actually see our bodies. When we look in the mirror, when we look at our face and our bodies in the mirror, do we go, oh my goodness, that's pathetic? Or do we go, oh, that's not looking good? Or do we go, hey, that person's doing their best, and I care about that person. So to be able to step back, if you fuse or blend with the emotions that happen in our bodies and the experiences we have in our bodies, then we become what our bodies tell us. And the bodies are like a feedback loop. And, and I really use the word body intentionally because we now know that anxiety, depression, trauma, stress are actually embodied experiences of reality or our reality. And they tell us something that's profoundly true, but that's not, not true. There's something more than that. And if we can step back and be a compassionate observer of our lives and go, what is our self-talk? You are okay. And that's... So, because I, I, like, I really like that, and I think um, maybe it was in the last 18 months, there was actually a book that I was reading that was talking about that idea that uh, often if we were caring for someone else in our exact same situation, we would give them completely different advice to the way that we talk to ourselves. Yes. We would, yeah, yes. we would, we'd be like, hey, you know, you're doing your best. Hey, it's okay, you've, you've had a really stressful day. But often in our own skin, um, we, we kind of have this like, well, here's all the reasons for X, Y, and Z. So how do, we, how do we get to a point where we can catch ourselves? What are some of the cues that maybe we can begin to recognize to go, actually, that's not a really healthy way or a helpful way to be talking to myself. I need to take a step back. So, so here's a crazy thing. Everyone in this space here has an inner critic. Um, if it's a female inner critic, it's probably got horn rim glasses, says uh, probably, you know, I, I try to find a name that wouldn't be a name here, you know, it might be Mildred. I hope there aren't any Mildreds here. You might have a great aunt Mildred who, you know, she kind of looked over her glasses, peering, you know, menacingly at you. Uh, you, you get the sense of what I'm saying. Sure. That inner critic is trying to get you inclusion, to belong. It's trying to get you success so that you are going to have a, a future. That inner critic is probably an internalised worst example of a parent who goes, well, if that's the best you can do, you're going to be sweeping streets the rest of your lives. Uh, and we have this inner critic and we internalise them. And an inner critic is pretty persistent. And if you can stop and go, thank you, Look at you go. Look, at you. you're knocking yourself out trying to get me to be a better person. You know what, though? Your ways of getting me to be a better person uh, are maybe uh, 20 years out of date uh, because you think I'm still 15. You think I'm still a rebellious teenager. I'm now in my mid-30s and I've got, I've got a mortgage and kids. And actually, I am doing pretty good here. 
Uh, I'm an, and, and there's no exam. No, there's no exam. No one's going to check our, our life and go, sorry, fail. I once heard someone said that we're going to stand before some judgment seat and all our worst experiences of life are going to be rolled out in front of us. No, that's not going to happen. How humiliating that would be. That, that, that would be a violating sense of who we are. And then, it's, if that's true, yep. then it's safe for me to tell you what's happening in me because I'm not now worried about... My, my inner critic is going to go, don't tell Chris, don't, don't no, no, no. Because Chris is just like your inner critic. He's going to judge you. Mm. No, he's not. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we, the inner critic blends with us. Because that's, and if we... Because everyone else sees me the way that I think I see myself. Yes, 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 exactly, yeah. exactly. It's incredibly narcissistic to think that I used to walk into a gym and think everyone's going to turn and look at the skinny guy who can't even lift the bar doing a bench press. That's going to be so embarrassing. That's incredibly narcissistic. I'm suddenly the most important person in that gym. Because everybody <laughs> else is going, you know what? I have nothing going on inside my head. The only thing I've got is that pathetic guy over there. And I realized it wasn't true. How did I realize? I went into a gym and started lifting just the bar because that's all I could lift. Yep. And go, well, at least I'm doing something. And nobody even noticed. They were all doing their own thing. And it was a wake-up call to go, everybody else is in their own head judging themselves. While yeah. I'm thinking they're going to judge me, I'm not that important. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm important enough to me to go to it, to look after yes. myself physically. But I'm not so important that the world is actually waiting to find fault with me. That is, wow, okay, that's a big thought. I like that, though. I very much like that, and because I'm sure you know, if you particularly if, you know, if you're going on that health journey, or if you you know anything that you're going on in life, you're always like, oh, what are people looking at? What are people thinking about? And often you discover because um, I, I like to run a little bit, and one of the things when you know, if you've ever kind of hung around and you've you've told me that you like running, one of the first things I say is you should come to Monday Night Run Club with us because um, there's a few of us that do it. And one of the first things is, well, we're not far. I'm not very fast. Yes. That's not yes. what I said. Yes, yes, yes. I said you should come to Monday Night yes, Run yes. Club with us. Like. So the, the, the two energies that create a problem for us is competition and comparison. Mm. Competition, slightly more masculine. Comparison, slightly more feminine. Mm. Where, what, you know, does my bum look big in this? Do I, am I as good a mother as she is? Uh, and so on. Com competition, you know, I'm owning as much money yeah. as him, uh, blah, blah, blah. And so this stupid game of trying to measure our worth or value by internally comparing ourselves to somebody. And we're always going to find someone worse than us and better than us. Always, yes. always, always. Based on some arbitrary criteria that we created based on internalized values that don't mean anything. Uh, I mean, for example, mm -hmm. the guy who earns more money than me. But, but does that mean he's going to be happier or more fulfilled or content? Yeah. No, yep. Yep. no, not at all. So, yes. Uh, I don't have to run faster than you. I don't have to right. run as fast as you. Doesn't in fact, matter. I'll be the slowest person there. And That's the only the problem yeah. is if I'm the slowest person there and I'm in the Alaskan wilderness, I might die. <laughs> but apart from that... You're all good. Yeah, You're all right. sorted. So, so when, you, when you went on that journey and you burnt out, what was it for you that those internalized values, what were some of the things that, that changed and what were they before and what are they now that was helpful? Uh, so... Uh, I, I now take rest and comfort and, uh, dare I say it, the word pleasure as qualities, as virtues, not as things that I shouldn't. Now, I had this Protestant work ethic, so I kind of always had to go harder, faster, stronger, almost like I was an Olympic athlete. <laughs> 
<laughs> the funny thing is, Olympic idea. athletes are only athletes for like 10 years, maybe, maximum uh, of their I life, know. 12 maybe, right? I know. So that, that, was, that was a big one. Um, learning to love solitude and silence. Is the word loneliness the word solitude? They're the same thing. I'm lonely. I'm alone. Solitude. I'm alone, but I'm content. So I had to learn solitude, learn the enjoy my own company. Uh, that was a huge growth for me. Uh, d discovering that all the emotions I feel are the human experience. And I don't want to put a value statement on any experience I'm having, just allow that experience to happen. Rilke, a German poet, says, let it all happen to you, beauty and terror. Just keep going. No feeling is final. Okay. No feeling it's is fine. final. And when we think of Are You OK Day, if we could understand that no feeling is final, then we could allow that feeling to be an experience. What, imagine watching a movie without, or, or a TV show without any ups or downs. You know, it's like the finance report. BHP <laughs> went up two points today and Macquarie Bank went down three. Oh, what? there was once this financial guy and he used to say, and CSL are investing in a new laboratory. And you'd, wow, he's like he's telling a children's story. He was the only one who ever did it. I forget his name. But you know what? We want stories with, 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 uh, um, with drama, except we don't want our own lives with drama. And yet drama is the texture and colour and shape. We, if we can accept the emotion that's happening, like a surfboard rider on a wave, yep. okay. and he goes, big wave's coming, but I can ride that wave. And I can come back down. I don't have to be terrified of the wave. Yep. How do I learn to not be afraid of this wave? This wave, but what happens is the reason we're afraid of the wave is we start running from it and then it breaks on us. And then we know now, oh my goodness, I can't let that happen again. But if we learn to stay with the wave, we'll ride it and come back down and it won't break on us. Or to use another analogy is the analogy of a monster. We all are fascinated by monsters. There's this movie called Alien, made 40-something years ago. Oh, yeah. I love... They're the, coming back, aren't they? Alien vs. Predator? Yeah, well, oh, is I think, it? Yeah, I I've, I've seen some more I have recently. this weird fascination with, with zombie movies and alien, alien franchise. I don't know why, but I do. And the reason is that you never quite see the alien in because the CGI wasn't good enough, so you didn't, they didn't show you the alien. And so uh, there is this monster, and you can't quite see it, and you're always running from it, and, and it's going to get you. And it's going to get you. And it's going to get you in the dark when you least notice it. Whereas if you can face the monster, see the monster, name the monster, know the monster, become friends with the monster, guess what? It becomes, strangely, something very calm and tame. The thing that we're most afraid of is not a monster. We, but only by befriending it. And the only way we can is by letting some light and fresh air, and that is by talking to people about it safely people who are going to hold our confidence, people who aren't going to judge us, people who aren't going to say, oh my goodness, I wouldn't do that if I was you. Uh, people who are going to go, people who aren't going to say, I know exactly what you're going through, because they don't. People are going to go, that's really hard. Yeah. What do you, what, what could, would help? Well, can I just sit with you? Would you like that? Uh, I want to listen to you. I, I, I don't want to give you advice, man, advice is not... That's why we think, go to an expert, 40-something. Yeah, Because, yep. uh, you know what? I'm the expert, because I am, because that's my career, my profession, and one of the things I don't do is give advice, which is really, really weird. People pay me quite a lot of money, and I don't give them advice. What do I do? I listen, I help them understand their story, because I've lived my own version of their story. I open it up, 
and I help them explore within them the, the resources they already have to get already have to get well. Yeah, I do, I do want to touch before we wrap up. I, I kind of want to get to some of the things that we can look at that maybe we could see that are signs of uh, maybe someone like a, a trigger for us to kind of ask, oh, "Hey, how are you doing? Are you okay?" But before we get there, I, you know, we, we've kind of, you know, because um, we are a local church, and there's something you, you kind of spoke about um, the idea of when, when, we, when we start to share parts of our story, we start to begin to realize, oh, hang on a minute, that person isn't an inner critic like me. And one of the things, I don't, I'm sure you've encountered this as well, is, some t- is the way in which well-intentioned Jesus followers almost make God into this critic of like, oh, well, hey, I'm really feeling anxious. You know what you should do? You should pray about it. It's like, thanks, that's fantastic advice. It's like, well, if you, you're just not praying hard enough or maybe, you know, well, you wouldn't have depression if you spoke to God about it and if you believed enough and if you had enough faith. Like, how do... So, so, so that's what locked me in, you see, because I actually asked all the other pastors in this fraternal of pastors in my area and, you know, I got, read the Bible, go on a retreat, go to a conference, pray more, fast... I try everything. And then there's these bookstores, if anyone doesn't know, called Kurong. Now, I'm not trying to make a bad name for Kurong, but they sell Christian books. And if you go in, have a look at the titles, 10 Steps to a Better Marriage, Five Paths or Five Keys to Liberty, Freedom, Success, Breakthrough. All of these words tell me there's something else I have to add, I have to do. And so it feeds into that insecurity don't buy those books. I don't care what the title is. Don't buy the books. You might think, oh, no, 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 I have to buy those books. No, those books are telling you there's something you currently lack that you need. And I know this is probably a really radical thing for me to say. You but, can go ahead. But, but, Fine. but, but to say that, that <laughs> I'm going to actually quote the Apostle Paul, Christ in me, the hope of glory. What does that look like? What, what is it in me that rests within me. And I'm going to use a a poem by a guy called Michael Lunig. And this is our whole work. Uh, And this is a beautiful poem. And it it tells a story about a suicidal man. At the top of the tallest building in the world sat the saddest man in the world. And inside that man was the loneliest heart in the world. And inside that heart was the deepest well in the world. And at the bottom of that well was the blackest mud in the world. And in that mud sat the lightest, loveliest, happiest angel in all the universe. So our work, each of us, is to find that lightest, loveliest, happiest angel in the blackest mud, in the deepest well, in the loneliest heart, in the saddest person whether we're what that person. It doesn't matter who you are. For me, that is the story uh, that, that the message that there is a loving creator who is on a treasure hunt for each of us to discover our own intrinsic worth and value. And my work is to collaborate with that creator on that treasure hunt for myself and for everyone I come across. I love that. I love that analogy as well. Um, as, we, as we wrap up, because one of the things we wanted to really do this morning is we didn't just want to talk about 
hey, are you okay? And say, hey, you should ask this. We actually wanted to create a space afterwards for us to um, connect and for you to just have conversations. You don't have to ask, are you okay? Uh, but you can just connect with some people. And so after our, we wrap this conversation up, there's going to be coffee. Go and grab your coffee. Up the back, there's tables, there's nibbles. We're going to have music playing. Um, Upstreet still finishes at 11.15. So you'll have a little bit of time to connect before Upstreet wraps up. And um, we really want to foster the continuation of these meaningful conversations. But one, th one thing I, I do want to ask to close, Richard, is... Um, what are some of the things that we can begin to identify in friends, in family members, in co-workers, uh, in parents who are in the pickup drop-off line uh, that might be signs that they're not doing okay so, so that we can ask that question throughout the year? So obviously, emotional outbursts, burst into tears, or burst into rage. People who do road rage. People who burst into tears, burst into rage. People who suddenly stop caring for themselves. They, they, you know, they haven't put makeup on for a week and they used to always put makeup on. Sudden changes. Suddenly, someone who's always eating junk food, uh, takeaway food, and they used to cook. Or they're suddenly putting on a lot of weight or losing a lot of weight. Someone whose emotions change from being chilled to being really manic or really, strangely, really happy. Someone who's been really, really depressed and suddenly gets really happy. Alarm bells should be going off. Why? because they might have a plan, and that plan may not be a good plan. So be on the aware of someone who has been really, really, really down and suddenly gets really happy. Get involved. Don't, don't wait. Um, it's sometimes people are master actors. They cover it up really well. So the person who avoids the conversation, you go, how are you going? Don't say, are you okay? Because it's like, what do they go? No, oops. Um, say, so <laughs> how are you going? Now, how are you really going? Notice if they change the topic really, really fast. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm great. So tell me about, no, 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 I, I just, just stop there. I, I just want to know how you're really going. And if they go, why are you asking? Because you matter to me. Oh, why do I matter to you? Huh, you better have an answer for that. <laughs> um, because I'm supposed to? <laughs> no, that's not a good answer. Uh, and then sometimes your own honest vulnerability Oh, because I did it really tough, like, two years ago, and nobody checked in with me. Mm. And I learned to check in with people because I want to know that you matter, and I, I, I want you to know that, to me, you belong. Mm. Uh, that, that is the way in which we... So, see, seeing subtle shifts in self-care, in emotion, uh, they're, they're, the, they're the giveaway signs. Awesome. Thank you, Richard. Can we just give Richard a hand and thank him so much for his time today? Hey, we are going to have um, a slide come up on the screen right now because um, we're, we're really big on, hey, here are some next steps for you. And so um, coming, out of, coming out of today, um, on the left-hand side, you can see there's, there's some ways that you can actually ask the question, are you okay? Um, if, if this has um, brought up some emotions for you or, or brought up some feelings for you, or maybe um, you... you uh, have been thinking about, hey, there's someone in, in, in my life that this would have brought up some emotions for them. There's a number of Lifeline and Beyond Blue. And it is worth noting, um, we were having this conversation earlier and, and Richard and Dan were sharing, um, Lifeline is just not is not just for people who, are, um, who feel suicidal tendencies. 
Lifeline is a number you can call if you feel anxious. Lifeline is a number you can call if you feel overwhelmed. Lifeline is a number that you can call if you just don't feel like um, you're able to handle what's going on in life at the moment. And then also for us, if you scan that QR code, that'll take you to um, an, our Are You OK webpage that we've created. It's got some resources that you can download because uh, we know that graphic's pretty small. It's got some resources that you can download. It's also got the link um, if you're someone who's kind of been around beyond a little bit of a while uh, time. We say that groups are so much better um, because circles are better than rows. It's great for us to come and sit shoulder to shoulder, but we always say it's so much better when you're face to face. And so on that um, QR code, there is a link to, um, for you to join a group and get connected in a circle. There's also um, a link there, like I said, to some of the really great resources for Are You OK Day. Well, that wraps up our time um, together this morning. We've got some nibbles, we've got coffee, York's up the back ready to take your order. Um, and we look forward to continuing this conversation with you today. And we hope to see you back next Sunday at 10 a.m. for Chase's baptism. Have a fantastic week. Well, once again, thanks so much for listening. And hey, if you live in the Griffin, Marumba Downs, North Lakes, or Moreton Bay region, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend environments. You can find out more by heading to our website, beyondchurch.com.au. You'll find directions, service times, and what you can expect, as well as information on our Upstreet Kids Club, which is our primary school-aged environment, and Infinity Youth, our high school-aged environment. That website, beyondchurch.com.au.